0: Hello everyone, welcome to Getting Real.
1: I am Basira. And I'm Kate. Getting Real is another podcast for millennial best friends, talking about something with no real authority um, other than their winning personalities
0: and infectious charm. This one's about movies. So join us as we discuss some of our favorite films and what they mean to us and dare we say the world at large. Hello everyone, this is Basira. This is Kate. And you're listening to Getting Real. So, Kate, what are we going to talk about today?
1: Today we're talking about my dad's favorite movie, Casablanca.
0: Shout out to Parpa Armstrong.
1: Yes. He's a a real stand-up guy. (laughs) Um, So, Casablanca is a film from 1942. It was directed by Michael Curtis. And it's about a cynical expatriate American cafe owner. It's a lot of adjectives. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who struggles to decide whether or not to help his former lover and her fugitive husband escape the Nazis in French Morocco.
0: Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm.
1: So this um, movie was primarily a propaganda film. Uh, it was 1942. We had just entered the war, America, and it was justifying that war. Uh, mm-hmm. Arguably a good choice, I think, A <laughs> the few times <laughs> in American history. Where you can say we chose correctly getting
0: involved. We should probably let you know that if you have not seen the movie that we're talking about, we will be talking about spoilers. So if you're someone who's like, oh, no, like, I want to watch it before you hear anything, feel free to do so. But
1: this is my dad's favorite movie. Uh, I asked him what he liked about this movie, you know, why he got into it. And he saw it for the first time when he was about 20 years old. He was in the Navy. Um, and it was during Vietnam. So, really, prime time for propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> he was um, I already drank the Kool Aid, as it was. Um, as, and my dad, you know my dad, but for those of you listening, he's an old fashioned kind of guy. He has clear priorities and morals. He's guided by, some might say, a, a chivalrous code. He's yes. a deeply honorable uh, and loyal man. And he took a vow to protect this country. And so he's usually keen on seeing that play out in a good way. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so what did he like about this movie? Well, when I asked him, he said he liked Humphrey Bogart. But Humphrey Bogart's made a lot of movies. (laughs) So what is it about this movie in particular? I think for my dad, it's more of a... It is a love story, if you haven't seen Casablanca. Uh, but the love is kind of, but obviously, between these two people, this man and his former lover, but also love of country and love of uh, nation, love of, you know, who who do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? So during the Vietnam, people were really opposed to the war, and yet plenty of people died for it anyway, right? And so there is a sense of you made a promise and honoring that promise. And for my dad, I think he was really moved by this noble sacrifice and not dying for love but letting your love go so in the film Ingrid Bergman is um, plays Ilsa who is uh, Rick's (laughs) um, old flame from Paris before it was occupied by the Nazis at the time she was under the impression her husband had died So they had this whirlwind affair and plan to run away together. But before they do, she finds out that he hadn't been killed. Her husband, who was a resistance leader, was being held in a concentration camp and had escaped. So instead of going with Rick, she leaves to be with him. Rick doesn't know this, though, and he um, brokenhearted puts his tail between his legs and runs off to northern Africa, Morocco, to open up a saloon and drown his troubles in... Jazzy music and lots of booze. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Not a bad idea for a breakup at all. (laughs) all. Um, But sure enough, of all the gin joints in all the world, she walks into his (laughs) with her husband, and he has to decide whether or not he's going to help her uh, leave him again. But ultimately, he chooses to do what's right for the cause, a noble cause. And my dad, I asked him do you think that Rick and Ilsa end up together? Like, after the war, is there a time when she could have left her husband? And he said, yeah, because my dad believes in fate, and I think that there is this idea that you end up with the person you're supposed to end up with. He says that he feels that way about meeting my mom, that it was fate. that brought them together from different sides of the country (laughs) (laughs) and different circumstances, but they found each other. And so he said that it's very possible that Ilsa and Rick you know could make this work but at the time the most important thing is is not these two people in fact that's one of the lines in the film right the needs of two people doesn't add up to a hill of beans yeah. or something like that so basira what did you think of casablanca
0: so i think of when i watched this as like essentially the first time i've actually watched it i saw it when i was a kid because i used to stay with my grandmother and tcm is on every older woman's tv Right. everywhere Turner classic movie shout out yes thank you so much <laughs> um, and the scene I remember the most is the final scene with um, Ilsa and Rick and uh, so re-watching it essentially again watching it for the first time was probably really eye-opening and I think I called Kate and I told her that I had watched it and I said the first impression is how effing quotable this movie is yeah every single quote that you could possibly think of like like will always have Paris of all the gym joints and all the places you had to walk into mine this is the start of a beautiful friendship all come from casablanca and i didn't met you kid yeah no idea no idea Absolutely. honestly i'm pretty sure michael buble gets all of his swag from casablanca i'm gonna be honest with you
1: can i can i ask you a question Mm
0: -hmm. did
1: you think that humphrey bogart was handsome in this film no i you know what i am forever shocked that humphrey bogart was
0: a dreamboat yeah i mean
1: the timothy chalamet of his time
0: seriously seriously and i was looking here and i was like on you know who he reminds me of like but i don't know if this is like a compliment but he uh, reminded me a little bit of ron perlman Or i was like if you're okay. kind of into that then it could be because he has kind of that rugged type and i think like people were into that at the time mm-hmm. um but he wasn't like Home free book wasn't like into Westerns, right? That wasn't his like shtick. No, but he was like he was almost a Western actor, but doing more mainstream movies. Well he was
1: um he did all the Philip Marlowe movies, all yeah. of those um you know, he did the big sleep and Maltese Falcon, a bunch of he always played this like slick Rogue type. So mm-hmm. I suppose that's like the Western. But his brand of masculinity, I think, always skewed on the um, more sophisticated, you know? Like, like he yeah. could get his hands dirty, but he always he was always in a suit, you know? Yeah. He always had a cigarette and a, you know, a plucky line. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, he did, so He was in the same kind of stoicism, I think, that we yeah. associate with the Western heroes. Yeah.
0: Um, so, no, I didn't think he was attractive. But... I did think that he was the perfect representation of like men at that time and who men wanted to be. Mm. And I think that says something a bit more. Cuz I think we talk about like Timothy Chalamet and how much things have changed in terms of the guys that we were attracted to yeah. when like we were in high school and like in middle school and college and stuff versus what younger women are attracted to now like the Timothy Chalamets and like Thin wolfhards of the world who are not the same <laughs> type of man, but it's a representation of the type of man that they would like to be with. and So I think that kind of is Humphrey Bogart for his time. Yeah. But in terms of like the whole movie, I think a lot of people are don't really like watching like the old like classic movies because I think that most of the time they can, and I would differ from most people, but I think there's some validity in thinking that they're pretty boring. I think it's kind of hard to keep your attention on something that's literally in black and white because there's something to draw your attention to it. So all the performances of that time have to be really strong. And I think Humphrey Bogart gives a really strong performance and especially Ingrid Bergman. I think one of the themes of the movie is that for me, I think like what you were just talking about, it's a love story, obviously. But at the same time, I think the bigger part of it is like that idea of country and resistance
1: well, do you remember in 2015, there was a terrorist attack in Paris?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. And
1: there is a scene from Casablanca that went viral yeah. during that time. Singing, There's a scene, um, Le, Marseille. Le Marseille, who mm-hmm. it's when the Nazis are in the cafe mm-hmm. and they're playing their, you know, German nationalism. And as a small act of rebellion and resistance, they, all, everyone in the cafe starts singing um, the French National anthem. Now, bear in mind that they're in Morocco, so it's an occupied state. Yes. <laughs> the irony, of course, completely lost on yes. them at the time. Yeah. But it really is like a very moving scene. And I, I grew up on a lot of black and white movies. My dad certainly prefers them, mm-hmm. but. I have no problem being drawn into those, even without, like, the explosions, although there is quite a bit of, um, (laughs) action is generous, given that we're used to now having these epic CGI fights and intense and practical, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, effects, but there is a lot of action in this film as well, Mm -hmm. but more than anything, like you said, it's so quotable, like, it really draws you in, I have no problem. Watching this. Now, I've seen it so many times because I grew up watching it Mm -hmm. under my dad's tutelage, and he'd be like, and he did point out this kind of what you were saying this kind of Humphrey Bogart esque masculinity, but also to my father, I don't think he thought of it like this is what a man has to be, this is just like what a good person does as well. Mm -hmm. That there is an obligation that I should try to emulate Bogart as well not just like my brothers, (laughs) Um, but me too. That like, these are the things that I should value. The same things that he values, same things that Bogey even reluctantly values, which is duty, honor, loyalty, faith, family, whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, country, of course. So I think that the film is still really relevant. Like I said, just in 2015, it became a big moment. Uh, I think that it really does stand the test of time. After all these years, it's still one of the best. Um, there was an interesting thing a few years back. Some people th- sent this screenplay to studio heads to see if it would have been accepted. And a lot of them recognized it immediately as Casablanca. Like, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of them rejected it. <laughs> a lot really? of fil- Yeah, a lot of the studios were said that it's too much talking and it's not enough
0: (laughs) it is it is a lot of talking in this movie Well, those
1: movies back then did because like you said they didn't have as much of the spectacle of stunts and things like that um that it's too talking that's not how people talk right that's Mm -hmm. not even how people spoke in the 40s which yeah most of us would argue that you don't speak the way that they do in films people didn't write down what you said yeah Um, you know and so there is that detachment from reality which i think <laughs> films back in the day didn't mind that they were like this doesn't have to be like they didn't have sex they didn't have you know a violence or nudity to any extent that we have them now because yeah. it had to be such a tailored and kind of candy-coated version of the world right like in that movie the the good guys come through right? yeah <laughs> and the colonists are actually the good guys because they're <laughs> <laughs> They're fighting the Nazis, who exactly. you know, objectively kind of are the best of the baddies. Yes. Right? No no one comes close to that. I just think that's it's interesting that you say you can't keep your attention on something like that, and I think that it was rejected. And if this is a movie, and we've talked about this a lot, right? There's movies that you love for nostalgia, mm-hmm. but if you had seen them for the first time today, would that have kept you as riveted? <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. Like, when you and um, our friend Victoria had made me watch the princess bride and even though i fell asleep middle <laughs> love it i did watch it again and i did not feel the same way about it that you guys did and you guys watched that like when it first came out right there is a nostalgia but it was
1: before we were born but you <laughs> okay whatever like, when you we were kids when you <laughs> were yeah, kids you watched like when you were kids right like
0: i think so i really love that movie it's a wonderful life mm-hmm. and you don't Love it. And I watch it again, and if I had watched that as an adult, I don't think I would have liked that movie as much. But I watched it when I was a kid, and it meant a lot to me at the time. And it has continued to mean a lot to me because that feeling that I got from being a kid is so rooted in that. And so watching Casablanca as an adult, I understand why people, when they watched it, then really loved it. And I'm not saying I didn't like the movie. I thought it's quotable, it's topical, honestly, to an extent, and... I think it's really well done for that time. And again, the performance of Humphrey Bogart is, like, fantastic. It's not a lot. He's not emoting a lot. But the things that he says and the way that he says it and the character that he exudes get straight to the point. And I like that about the movie. Um, But the other part of... My favorite part of the movie (laughs) is the saloon itself. Mm Because I really like the watering hole aspect of it. Is that not only do you have, you know, French, you know, officials. Not only do you have an American... Not only do you have Nazi soldiers that show up trying to find fugitives, but you also have people from, you know, Germany trying to get out. You have a woman from Bulgaria that's trying to get out with her husband to go to the States. Um, So just another bit of background with Casablanca. The idea was that in order for you to escape Nazi-occupied Europe, you had to take a route that would bring you from one place to Casablanca to try to get out to Lisbon and from Lisbon you could go to the Americas but you could not get out of Casablanca without a visa so that's why a lot of people from different countries were all still there
1: the MacGuffin in Casablanca are these visa papers from Charles de Gaulle himself exactly (laughs) this kind of like get out of jail free card Mm -hmm. um, that Ilsa and her resistance husband want to get Mm -hmm. their hands on um, that miraculously and quickly expediently (laughs) yeah get into the hands of rick
0: yeah right and that's how that happens Mm -hmm. yeah and it's like the coolest part of the movie it's just kind of yeah like i said that watering hole aspect but it is so much propaganda because they're all super excited to come to the united states (laughs) like there's a german couple like drinking with one of the um servers that they've gone grown close with um at the saloon and they're like super excited they're like here's to america to america because america is supposed to be the greatest country of all time and it probably, yeah, in the 40s was. They were, we were obviously the good guys. We were. In that war, we were the good guys. We were the people on the right team. And it's funny watching that movie now that came out back then being like, oh, you know, you have the Kamala Harris gaffe of her telling people not to come here. And, like, right, which, like, I mean, not to get, you know, we're going to talk about politics on this podcast because it's going to be inevitable for us. But, like, that type of, you know, that feeling is not the way that we feel now. I think the America is obviously better now than most places, but it's still not safe for every single person that's here. So watching that movie, I think, and an almost all white cast, the only, there's only one black person in the entire cast, and it's the piano player who is Sam, who's employed by.
1: And of course, you note too, in, in that, right? 1942. One of our, our more racist <laughs> moments, right? Um, but Sam and Rick are best friends, and he really treats him like a partner. He gives mm-hmm. him, you know, like a good chunk of the... He, gets, I think it's like 25% of yeah. everything goes to Sam, even though Sam just plays the piano. Yeah. Sam's not, like, doing the books. Sam's not pouring the drinks. Sam plays the piano, and mm-hmm. he's really just Rick's friend. yeah, His best friend. He was the only one who came with him from Paris, and mm-hmm. he knows the whole story. Yeah, So there's that false equivalency right you get this idea that sam is um americans are so generous and gracious and rick is one of the good guys Mm -hmm. so of course rick isn't going to be racist
0: yeah exactly it's also 1942 (laughs) 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 and he would never let sam maybe he wouldn't let them maybe he would let but like he doesn't let sam like own no. and it's like he's not a co-owner of it. He just gets a yeah, he gets proceeds. a chunk, and it's yeah.
1: it's like out of the goodness of his heart, yeah, <laughs> that he's yeah. able
0: to do that. But I think if you know the reason why your dad loves it so much is the idea of not. I don't. It is a little bit nationalism, but like I think it's in a more deeply
1: nationalist, yeah,
0: yeah. But like in a, I think not the nationalism definition that we have now. But I think it is pretty nationalistic, but I think in a very good way, which is that. You know, Rick is not gung-ho to help every single person that walks through the saloon that asks for papers, but when it's the right time to do it and it's the right person and it's going to mean change and working for the resistance. And, you know, even um, Laszlo, he mentions to him, like, you end up fighting for the underdog. You know that, right? Like, I know your past. I know what you do. And he does. And he shows up at the end and he does the right thing.
1: Yeah, well, it's almost, and it's funny because we think of, how we think of America now is so much more... Focused on individualism, yeah, and yet Rick tries to do that, right? He tries to isolate himself, but he has a history of he can't help himself, right? He's representative of American values, yeah, and he just can't help himself. Yeah, he has to help people, mm-hmm. even though it yeah. might hurt him.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: but he just keeps doing it. Yeah. He keeps signing up to fight for these resistance um, groups and these rebel groups who are trying to make a better version of their countries. Mm-hmm. And I think my dad would call it like a a necessary nationalism which yeah. is like at, at times of crisis certainly like at times of war yeah. that it's acceptable to remind people what we're fighting for and i think there is something to that i don't want to knock oh, it oh yeah 100% and like i said my dad when he saw it, we were fighting in vietnam and he said something to that effect of you know i was it was during a war i just like felt very topical to me and i said well you can't compare vietnam in world war ii right one of those feels a lot more like justifiable for lack of a better word yeah and he was like but even so that's kind of the point it's that rick doesn't want to get involved this isn't rick's problem yeah. and, he, and it would cost him greatly to get involved he can just keep making his money and living in his little bubble yeah but it's not about whether or not is this is this worth it it's about it's what's right and you just do it the people, you know, at the time my dad made a he had to swear an oath, he had to defend this country. Mm-hmm. He didn't get to say, well, not against Vietnamese, only against yeah. the Nazis. <laughs> he had to, you know, fight for anyone. And he, um and look at what America's been able to accomplish because of those oaths. Exactly. Whether or not they were right or good is hard to say, but yeah. it's true to my dad's form. Yeah. That he takes those things very seriously. Yeah.
0: And I think the chivalry part of it, too, of, Um, Rick's character like what we're just talking about. I mean the perfect example of that movie obviously him helping Ilsa and Laszlo get out of Casablanca into America is like the ultimate thing but I think the scene that he has specifically with this Bulgarian woman who. Comes into the saloon and comes straight to him. She's like, are you Rick? And he's like, yes. She's like, do you think that the captain, I actually can't remember his name. It was like Renault. Renault. So she says, is Captain Renault like a good man? Should I believe him? He said, why are you asking me that? She said, well, I'm, he told me that he could get a visa for me and my husband to get out of here for free. And He says, you're not even old enough to be in this bar. How long have you been married? She said eight weeks, but we were in Bulgaria and you have no idea what we've had to do to get out of here and we can't go home. And he tells her, just go home. I'm not going to help you. Like, no one can help you. Like, just go back to where you're from. And she pleads with him. And she then says, if you were in love with a woman and she did something to help defend you, would you be okay with it? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) She's like, I had to do something in order to make this promise. And it's very obvious that Renault took advantage of her. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why he's going to give her these papers. And, you know rick decides in the moment that he's in the moment that he's talking to her he's like i'm not going to do anything about this but then ultimately gets up goes to her husband who's been at the roulette table all night losing all of their money and essentially rigs the roulette table for him and helps him win all of that money back so that way they can go live a life in america and he does it without wanting a thank you and frankly he shoves the woman off of him when she tries to thank him but it's that He doesn't do it because he's like, oh, I want to be honorable and do the right thing. He does it because it's the right thing to do and he's not looking for a thank you. He's doing it because it is the right thing. It's simple for him to do it. He's within power to do something about it and then he moves on with the rest of his day. And I don't think he feels any better for doing it. (laughs) I don't think he feels any worse. I think he just does it and he moves on and there's something really interesting about that kind of character for some reason. But yeah, I think that part of what your dad was talking about too is kind of what a good person should do is that's what a good person should do is help people without looking for a thank you or some type of grand gesture in return.
1: Yeah, and a lot of it, there's sacrifice in that, right? It's almost always harder to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. It's like this cosmic joke. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That it's always harder to do the right thing. And yet, and there's no real reward for it. I mean, maybe there is if you believe in that kind of thing, but in this life, you're not necessarily guaranteed any kind of reward for doing the right thing. The reward is simply having done a, the right thing, and you know the not living with guilt or not living with. um I mean, who, who among us is not living with guilt? But the idea uh, is that you know, would you be able to live with yourself if you had done the wrong thing? Mm-hmm. Really, and so ultimately, your guide—it's those guiding principles—and that's what my father I'm very lucky that I had such a great dad who Mm -hmm. did instill these very clear very concrete guiding principles yeah um that there are some things that don't change which is do right be good be fair Mm -hmm. right and um honor your promises and take care of the people who you're responsible for all of those things they never change and The great moment from Casablanca, of course, is Sam singing As Time Goes By. Mm -hmm. And in that song, the whole whole song is about um, the fundamental things apply, that there are some things that simply do not change. And I think the point of Casablanca and the point of, you know, my father's entire ethos (laughs) (laughs) is friendship, loyalty, these like fundamental principles and letting those guide you and that all the noise, all the complications, all the cost, that stuff shouldn't get in the way. That you just keep moving towards that end goal of goodness and, and graciousness and gratitude. All of those things. So I got lucky with my dad. I think he has great taste. Casablanca is a freaking fantastic film. <laughs> I think it really holds up. I find Humphrey Bogart... Such a fascinating emblem of like masculinity and Americanism at the time. And everything that he made kind of had this air of what is goodness? What is right? What are you responsible for? Mm -hmm. And we could all ask ourselves that a little bit more. I think now more than ever is how do you fight for something that might not even benefit you? In fact, it might cost you something, but there's the greater good, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a good movie. yeah (laughs) absolutely (laughs) nothing else to say that was a perfect way to end that so highly recommend Casablanca is available on hbo max um hbo max is not sponsoring this podcast but um if they ever feel inclined we will not say no or
1: you could buy it or you could you know kind of just rifle through your grandparents vhs collection it's probably in there
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) or you could turn on tcm because odds are it's on their Every single week.
1: It's a a classic for a reason, just like my dad. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Well, thank you all for listening to our first episode of Getting Real. We are going to release a second episode that probably will come out this time as this. We'll be talking about my dad's favorite movie. um, And the only clue I'll give you is Morgan Freeman in one of his greatest roles. (laughs) Narrows it down. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye.